0: Hey, Michael here. Uh, You will now hear uh, some episodes of The Michael Curdley Show that we had branded differently uh, called Unusual Profits or some such like that. Same show, same person, just me interviewing people and producing content that could be helpful on your journey and mine as well. So uh, with no further ado, here's the episode. Hey, Michael here. Uh, Sponsor for today's show is actually uh, a product that I'm a part of called DM Bridge. Uh, And what DM Bridge is, uh, is a service that we built Uh, to solve the problem that Twitter's direct messaging functionality is a total mess. So we built DM Bridge to help you fix that. Um, A lot of the other solutions uh, do things like requiring you to install a whole nother inbox. We didn't want another inbox. So we created DM Bridge. And what it does is it takes all of your Twitter DMs and has them appear inside of your email inbox. So you can reply to them just like it's a regular email. You see them just like it's a regular email. You can search them later like it's one of your regular emails all just by using DMBridge. So uh, we're currently live with the product. Uh, would love for you to sign up and become a customer uh, and check it out. So you can find that at dmbridge.app uh, and go on there, put in your name uh, and be either part of the beta or join us as part of the live use of the product. And again, check it out, dmbridge.app. All right, welcome to Industry Anonymous. We're recording today. Jonathan, good morning. How are you doing? Hey Michael. Nice to speak with you. So thanks for making time with this. You know, this is a new podcast, right? And the idea is to talk to people about industries that people just don't don't talk about very much. And you and I went to high school together and hadn't talked for twenty five years and connected via Twitter and then today we're having a chance to talk about insurance brokerages, which is something you've done for 25 years. Absolutely. That's a
1: fascinating world of insurance. So, you know, <laughs> I, no, I, I joined my family's business in 2000 and I wrapped up a 20-year career. And so ask me anything. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you uh, the goods, the bads, the highs and the lows.
0: Yeah. Well, before we talked, you said insurance was like the most boring industry. You get, did you say most boring industry you could think about or it was close to that? Like, I'm curious, why do you think that? Because clearly there's a disconnect here because I am fascinated by it and and you you find it not so exciting.
1: Well, no, I think most people, you tell them your insurance, they uh, either eyes glaze over or they run away thinking you're about to sell life insurance. But it's been an incredibly interesting career because you get to encounter every type of business. In every stage from startup to fast growing to you know, on the precipice of bankruptcy, you get to deal with people at their best and also at their worst. Yep. And I remember when my, uh, my son was six and I, you know, I was taking him in the office one day and he said, I said, you know what I do for a living? And he said, yeah, you're an insurance broker. I said, well, do you know what insurance is? And he said, nope. Uh, and I said, well, imagine you've got a house. Like, what, what could happen to your house that would, uh, you know, that would you know, damage your house? He said, a sandstorm. I said, well, yeah, that, that could happen. Um, what else? He goes, a tsunami. I said, yeah, that, that could also happen. Well, like something else. He goes, a fire. I said, yes, a fire could definitely <laughs> happen. And like, how would you have the money to replace your, uh, your house? And we had a whole conversation about, you know, what the role of insurance was. And so I think insurance is very fundamental um to just about everything we do in, in life and business, but it's it's really about risk and, and how we think about uh protecting our lives and our families and our, our businesses. And so it is an important topic, but we all try not to think about it too much.
0: Yeah. So who you know, as I think about, you know, insurance is the stuff you buy that pays you when something catastrophic happens. So you have you you minimize your risk of ruin. You know, as I think about the insurance industry, who, who are the different types of roles that you see there? So there's the brokers, the producers, reinsurers, who, who are all these different people that that are the cast of characters in this industry?
1: Yeah, I think there's... Uh, the best way to think about it is there's there's manufacturing distribution. Mm-hmm. So manufacturing are the insurance companies, and they're the big names that you're familiar with. They're the Zurichs, AIGs, Travelers, they're the Progressives, the Geicos, uh, and generally speaking... They are carrying you know, on their own balance sheets to a large extent the risk that they take. And so they're manufacturing insurance policy that are sold to their end customers. The distribution side of the business are um, the agents and brokers or the producers is another way to think about it. And their role is to um, go out there and, and source customers for manufacturing and match them with the right product or the right product structure. I think if you think of it those two ways, there's a little bit of complexity within there, but that's probably the easiest way to think about
0: it. Yeah. So if I'm if I'm walking up and I'm buying life insurance, for example, just that's the simplest, I guess, easiest, easiest, most basic life insurance. So, you know, I'll pay a hundred dollars in premium for some some benefit. You know, if as I pay that hundred dollars a month in premium for that benefit, how do I break down where that money goes of the hundred bucks? Right. So a certain amount goes to the producer, and then. how And then eventually I've, I mean, I've done the math, right. And figured out, okay, what are the odds of me dying this year? And like, there's a significant markup all the way down the insurance business where, you know, I might be paying 1% of the benefit per year or half percent of the benefit per year, but the chance of me dying at 35 is 0.01%. Very, very low. So how how should I, how do you think about like the hundred, out of that hundred bucks, kind of how does the value chain work its way all the way back up to the manufacturer?
1: Yeah. Well, I guess there's, you started with the right place, which is like, what's the risk? Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole concept of insurance is around risk pooling. That you know, the chances of something happening to you on average are quite low, but if it happens to you, then then um, that can be really you know, catastrophic to you. So, by spreading risk across a, a bigger pool, then it then you all everybody benefits from mm-hmm. that. Um, so the actual risk is the you know, like you said, that the half percent or the one percent or it depends on the line of insurance, the actual. You know, percentage of of likelihood of there being a claim and the severity and averaging that over you know a pool of there so it depends on the line of insurance so insurance brokers and agents sell different lines of insurance um, and they get paid differently based on the line of insurance but also kind of thinking as kind of for what they do and kind of all that's in it so uh, like health insurance is typically sold to corporations uh, like big policies you think a group you know medical and and those kind of coverages and it might be you know relatively small percentage of the premium, maybe three three percent or so goes to from the carrier to the broker the the agent who's who's put that in place. On a typical property and casualty policy, whether it's commercial or whether it's like home and auto, the insurance company will pay their their distribution somewhere on the order of 15% is probably a good number. Uh, so for every you know hundred dollars in premium it might be $15 that goes each and every year. To to the uh, producer uh, on that business, life insurance is a little different because it's kind of a one time sale, um, and it's uh, in the the way the incentives have been structured is generally life insurance agents get a huge upfront commission and a very small trailer down the line. So it can be one hundred percent of the first year's premium. In some states, it can even be over a hundred. So it might be one hundred or even one hundred and twenty five dollars if the first year uh, um, one hundred dollars in. in um, premium, but then they get a very small de minimis uh, you know compensation from that i, I was specific is saying it's the carriers the insurance companies that that pay their producers that pay their brokers it's not you as a consumer you as the business who pays that and I, I remember having a conversation with a client once about that he said well i can't believe i'm paying you this much to do you know to be my my broker and i said well you're not paying me the insurance company is and he said well what what does that mean like what if i don't want them to pay you that much I said, well, you know, here's the thing. If you don't like me getting that, think about how much value you're getting for the relationship, right? How much work am I doing for you? In that case, um, in that particular situation, his, his prior broker had, had reduced his premiums by about 25% and, and, and gotten him better coverage in the conversation and helping him find his way to a better, uh, uh, you know, more appropriate insurance company. And I said, you know, think of it this way. You're paying your prior agent, you know, 25% more, to do, you know, effectively a less um, less valuable job for you. So it was a funny conversation in that. There might have been some cursing along the way there. I, I will say there's one thing to be aware of that I think is a little bit inside baseball, but most states have very strong regulations uh, for something called rebating, which is returning commission to um, to customers. So uh, there are laws in place and regulations in place that inhibit or prohibit uh, brokers and agents from sharing commissions with uh with anybody who's who's not licensed, and specifically with our customers.
0: Interesting. Yeah. So why why do those laws make sense? Besides protecting the insurers, I, I can see why the insurers don't want it. I have no idea. I think that's an <laughs> artifact of an of a of another world,
1: and I think that's something that's probably might change. Uh, there are some abusive. Um, there are a lot of abusive uh, situations out there that you can imagine where people start returning monies but yes that I think that is uh, designed to protect the industry from its own self rather than consumer friendly
0: yeah well, I mean I think there's always a temptation in insurance brokerage one time my father-in-law I don't I didn't I haven't told you this my father-in-law was a longtime insurance broker mostly you know family property casualty all that kind of stuff in Ohio and you know young me when I was just dating his daughter asked him why is insurance legal but gambling is illegal and uh he got really mad at me. There is a there is a correct answer to this. He didn't give it to me, but one is one is existing risk and the other one is creating risk. So I totally, totally understood that. But I do think it it kind of harkens back, probably, my guess would be to an older time when insurance was still trying to get out of kind of the huckster area era of yeah. of its evolution. You know, early on you look at some of those old advertisements for insurance and it does not look super uh, no. super above board.
1: No, it's it's kind of a an industry that has what we do in the industry is really important. You know, coming back to it, it's like helping people through their most difficult times. You're in Texas. There are millions of Texans right now who are dealing with pipe bursts. they are businesses that have lost revenue because their their stores or operations have been closed. There are. There's going to be the, the consequences of of this winter storm are going to be as bad as it's probably uh, close to Hurricane Harvey maybe the worst situation Texas has faced in a long time. So what we do is important. Insurance is actually critically important to protect people. Most people cannot afford to lose their house, cannot afford to lose their income, uh, cannot afford to lose uh, maybe their car or to be sued. These are important situations, but the the reality is that the industry has not helped itself by kind of professionalizing and and, and really educating consumers about the role that they're in. And it's tricky. It's... um, it's a it's a product that people don't want to think about. It's called they call it a, kind of a low engagement product. You know that people don't want to have to think about it, don't want to have to buy it. Um, they kind of want to outsource the decision to somebody else, and and oftentimes that's why they they have an insurance broker agent, somebody they trust, who's going to be out there getting them hopefully the best product and the best pricing. Whether that's the case or not is 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 often uh, dependent on the quality of the person they're working with.
0: Yeah. So it, if you think about. Kind of the direct consumer or direct direct small business insurance market. So there's the the vertically integrated ones that are soup to nuts, like the progressives of the world and the geicos of the world. So that's one model. And then you have the independent agents who have the freedom. I guess some of them have the freedom to choose from which carrier they buy from, and others are locked into a single one. Is that kind of the three the three types of models that are out there for insurance brokerages? Yeah, that, that's a good job. So there's a. Um... There's uh, what they call captive agents. So they may mm-hmm. be like a nationwide
1: or they may be an all state and, and or state farm. That's all they sell are their, their products. And so they have sort of a different slightly different you know model. Their role is an agent is they are agents of the insurance company. They owe their duty and responsibility to the insurance company, not to their customer. Right. An independent agent or broker, and sometimes you're used in, independently, is accountable to the customer. And they r- work with multiple and different insurance companies often you know could be a handful it could be dozens it could be hundreds it depends on the the size of the firm and that's probably one thing to to think about in, in kind of understanding this world is like it's not a world where every agent even an independent agent works with every insurance company right uh, they have a usually a sort of a, a, a number of preferred insurance companies they work with that can kind of match the type of clientele they work with and so they may not have direct access to the insurance company might be the you know, best fit for you know a specific customer, and so maybe that's one question to to ask. Um, you know, when when thinking about working with an insurance agent, mm-hmm. is kind of like, what's your expertise? How do I? You know, who do you who do you work with a business like mine? You'd work with like, with people that look like me in terms of you know where my home is or where my business is, because they're going to have specialized knowledge, but also have access to specific insurance companies. That's called an appointment. To be appointed with an insurance company it means you're. You're allowed to conduct business with them.
0: So the, you know the independent brokers. There's obviously some appeal to that from a customer standpoint because you're gonna, you're not gonna just be getting one quote from one group you know, whatever nationwide wants to charge on it, et cetera. But like, so how does the actual mechanism of you guys, let's say you're appointed with 10 different carriers and you're an independent broker. Like, how does that actual happen? Is there like an exchange or do they have like web forms where you go and you upload standardized data for folks to get a quote and then you say, okay, watch. And then it gets spit back to you. Like, are are they still having you fax stuff in? Like hopefully it doesn't look like that. Uh, It's not fax. But it's closer to
1: facts than it is seamlessly at a, as an exchange level. It's, it's still, uh, you know, I described it a little bit as, uh, you know, knocking rocks together. Uh, there are, you know, web-based interfaces and there are some industry standards around data where you can sort of feed information into like quoting engines. That's what they call them, where they can get, you know, pricing from multiple different insurance companies. But, you know, that's great when you're sort of standard and you yeah. fit in a box anytime you sort of don't fit in a box and you've got a fireworks business, so you do not fit in a box. Right. Right. then, then you sort of have to figure out um, who to go to. So, you know, it's interesting. I would say, if you want to understand behavior, understand their incentives, mm-hmm. oftentimes with insurance agents, like it's the, uh, you know, what's the easiest, they'll go to the insurance companies that have sort of the easiest uh, to use, you know, easiest and quickest, uh, you know, responses to quotes, you know, ideally the best pricing, but, but, Um, depending on the circumstances, that may not be the most, you know, the the major driver there and, uh, you know, complexity of risk. So if something is, you know, a large premium, right, then then there's a large commission associated with that or a larger commission associated with that. And so you're sort of motivated to go out to a wider range of insurance companies. And this idea of like being competitive, right? So the the producer, the actual person who kind of is working with the the, uh, client probably has a sense of, What's the? What do they need to do to win the business? Is mm-hmm. it have better price or to solve a particular problem? Or did the customer have a bad experience with their prior agent or with their prior uh, claim? And trying to figure out what the right uh, need is to, to match there. And then on that basis, if it's really just about price, then they may go to a large number of insurance companies to make sure they've got the best price. Uh, if it's about quality of coverage or brand or other things, they might go to a, a handful. Generally speaking, they're going to go to know three to five as a you know way of of, of um, you know showing a range of options to the customer and that they've done some diligence and sourcing options for them,
0: yeah, well, and it seems like being in the selling business to business insurance, that's got to be a much better business than selling you know Aunt Aunt Betty life insurance. and I, and I don't mean to pick on the Aunt Baddies of the world, but. It just as of the people that i know that are in the commercial insurance brokerage business they just seem to be doing better that's that's my question
1: yeah i mean i would say like look insurance brokerage is probably the purest form of sales out there mm-hmm. you're selling you're i used to say to our producers you're you're selling trust in yourself right your customers buying complex product that they generally don't understand they don't necessarily want to understand that they hope never to use Right. And so really what they're when they're choosing you to work with, they're trusting that you're going to be there for them and you've done the right thing for them at the worst possible time in their life, when they've been sued, when they've lost, you know, an asset or, or something like that. So that yours when you're selling trust, um, it, it tends to be an industry that attracts really good salespeople yeah. and compensates them well for doing that. And to your point about like commercial lines is a great place to be, it's because it's the bigger tickets, right? So if the commission, you know, rates are about the same uh, regardless of size, well, you might as well sell a bigger ticket because then, then you're going to make a bigger commission on it. But I think also, you know, I, I looked at it differently when I was in the business. You know, your your opportunities to, for creativity to add value were very much greater with more complex businesses and mm-hmm. businesses with real problems and where you could really get in and understand them. And I love working with like growing businesses or businesses that were cracking into new industries and helping them kind of understand what their risk profile is. I think the best brokers are, they're almost like somewhere between business psychologists and consultants and uh, and investment bankers. They're really digging deep into your business, understanding what the financial drivers are, how much risk can you take, what's your cost structure look like, what are your problems, how can they be there to solve them, and how can they anticipate the worst possible things that are going to happen? And look around the corner for you. And I said, I think the best people in the industry uh, do that. They do that with a lot of, you know, acumen in terms of understanding. And then also just that like, psych- psychology side, like what's motivating people. And and often, you know, larger businesses, there might be multiple stakeholders. There might be a CFO involved. There may be a CEO involved. There might even be a dedicated person related to insurance. And kind of working with all of those people to make sure their needs are met is, requires a level of sophistication that is, you know, that can attract pretty high quality people, but it's also not not for everybody as well.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, it sounds like it requires a level of sophistication and there's a lot of, you can just see like the Venn diagram going down of people capable of, of doing that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, you know, when, one thing that um, a lot of people I'm connected to on social media and stuff are doing is on, uh, entrepreneurship through acquisition. Curious about how you think about insurance as a place like that. It seems like, you know my my father-in-law sold his insurance brokerage seems like it's been discovered by people rolling them up and giants owning brokerages and he, he actually sold his back to Wells Fargo you know what's your perspective on that kind of opportunity for people is there is there room for joe whoever to go search for an independent brokerage and and use that as a, a launching pad for them to get into the business and not spend 20 years building up a book and that sort of thing or has it been discovered
1: so there's a, there's a few things you said there. One, which is like kind of the financialization of insurance, mm-hmm. the insurance industry. And there's larger companies that are rolling up and acquiring agencies. Uh, they're using a lot of leverage to kind of drive that. It's a super successful model. And that's going to continue to play out. I think on the other side of the coin, though, is there's always room for new independent producers to come out and to... Um, it's kind of a low barrier to entry business, but mm-hmm. right? you get your license, you you know can work on getting some appointments or work with a kind of a an intermediary that can help you get appointments. And you can pretty much set up shop with very little capital, and very little work to, to get it. You just got to get customers mm-hmm. and you can build from there. And I think the interesting opportunity right now, uh, if I were, you know, uh, in my you know twenties or, you know, early thirties and sort of thinking about building up a business or just kind of what, what you're talking about here is I might say, well, gee, this is an industry that seems like it's got a PMS problem, right? Pale, male, and stale. And, you know, you look around, there's a lot of, you know, old white dudes that are kind of running these agencies. You know, that's not the future of the world, right? So how to, how to, you know, youth leveraging technology, leveraging relationships, and, you know, either look to acquire agencies from those older, you know, producers or via, you know, succession plan, or to, you know, pivot and deploy new technologies to, to build kind of 21st century agencies. I think there's a lot of opportunity out there. I think um, there's a lot of communities that are underserved by the insurance industry. And like, really, there's, there's a huge amount of opportunity to, to um, serve them. As my dad would say, everybody needs insurance. Most of them need it uh, you know, multiple times a year, right? So everybody you talk to is a potential customer. So I might start if I were um, you know an early stage entrepreneur and just sort of think about like, Uh, what's the natural network I have? What's the community that I work with? How could I be seen as a a trusted advisor in that community? How could I develop um, a capability that would be different from the opportunities there? And then how to think about technology in a way that's going to be supportive of the business and not there. I, I think most people in the insurance industry see the role of the individual producer being around for a long, long time. Uh, but a lot of innovation around kind of how that works, and you look at um, like real estate industry, or you look at you know mortgage broking, you look at other industries where there's been a lot of of innovation around the kind of the, the product side. But at the end of the day, someone needs to be out there selling, and you know holding people's hands and, and helping them understand what they.
0: Yeah. Well, at the at the complexity end, for sure, right? And it, I think it comes back to that thing you said, which really struck me. Like you're you're selling the trust. You're selling trust. Right, and that to me smells like an industry that will be hand-to-hand combat for a long time.
1: Yeah, at the, at the at the you know kind of mid-market and larger size of corporations and sophisticated clients. But there's a lot of really interesting innovation going on on the on the you know, product side. If I were at, like you, launched coffee shop recently, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, if I owned a, a coffee shop in Texas, I would look closely at Three, uh, which is a new product by uh, Berkshire Hathaway. Um, which is like a three-page insurance policy that covers really uh, soup to nuts every insurance coverage you would need in a very simple way.
0: We and had a like, hard time finding an agent, by the way, to sell us like a liability, like a $400 liability policy, which I understand <laughs> in my question, I'm explaining why why it was hard to find somebody who could actually write a complete sentence. Like yeah, the emails we would get were like unbelievable. Like
1: Because they're like going to get 50 bucks off that. Yeah, it? yeah. It's, not, yeah, it's not, right not, worth their, <laughs> not worth their time. Um, so that's, that's a little bit there. So like three is an interesting op- option for their... Um, even on like the life insurance and, and, you know, risk side, there's a a new product called day forward, which is uh, like an income protection policy that just came out in Texas. Brella is a new supplemental health insurance. These are all sort of innovations on the product side that are starting to develop, um, that I I think are worth keeping an eye on because there's, there's going to be opportunities that will be disruptive, but there are going to be opportunities to sort of sell differently and think differently and advise differently.
0: Yeah. I have to ask a crypto utopian question. There is this like blockchain peer-to-peer insurance kind of vision that some people have. What's your opinion on, on that kind of stuff?
1: I've spent a lot of time thinking about uh, blockchain-related technologies and their applications to insurance. I think they're a long ways off for the type of risk sharing you're talking about because somebody at the end of the day needs to be at the balance sheet when there's an earthquake mm-hmm. or where when there's a big winter storm or hailstorm. So at the end of the day, kind of who who kind of holds the risk on the balance sheet is, is a is a is a tricky question. Asked not just peer to peer like peer to peer lending, the maximum you lose is the money that you lend out. Peer to peer insurance means shoot, I, I get a you know a premium, but I could lay out more than I, I laid out. That doesn't really work. Where I do think there are interesting applications for blockchain technologies is around taking the duration of insurance policies down from like. Think of it as like right now they're a year, maybe six months for auto insurance, but you can imagine it going down to, you know, by the day, by the hour, even by the transaction. And, and so as you get down to these sort of microtransaction related insurances, and there's a lot of work around uh, that in the technology space that uh, you can imagine where, you know, smart contracts can be used to, to uh, apply to um, different uh, policies. Uh, I am um, in, invest in a company called TrustLayer Layer that uses facilitating automated verification of certificates of insurance. And I think um, if you've ever been in a business where you've either had to issue certificates of insurance or you've seen them, if you're a contractor, you're a builder on real estate, those kind of tech, uh, you're like, what is this PDF that I have to, to, to show to somebody or this you know, piece of paper that shows that I have insurance? That's an area where I think um, you know, blockchain technologies will will come to play, which is this you know, how do I know that you, Michael, have insurance when you're coming onto my premises, or you're a contractor? Mm-hmm. How do I know that it's enforced? Right now, people are relying on a piece of paper or a PDF, and and there's nothing in, uh, to to assure that. So, I think there's there's definitely applications of those technologies. The type of um, you know long term applications are, are going to come uh, maybe when you and I are are old and and uh, and, and and you know uh, older next generation. Older 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been, I've been corrected by my youngest that I'm middle-aged now. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, um, it is an opportunity around, you know, this idea of assurance that something happened. yeah uh, and there's opportunities to really reduce the costs, like, uh, around like cargo insurance, like where things happened and when they happened or around, even around like, um, product contamination, like who's responsible for it. So there, there are applications being developed. I don't think we'll see them in our day to day life for, for some period of time.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it, 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 we're running out of time, but I, I do think and reflecting on the last kind of 30 or so minutes, like we started with this idea that insurance is pretty boring. Like I'm, I was super entertained. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe we found the one person in the world who's like, "Oh man, that's super interesting that there's the different types of insurance brokers and M and A opportunities and stuff." So thank you.
1: I made, you know, I've I've, I've got Michael Gerdley to geek out on insurance. So my my <laughs> gonna go home, call it a day, and and say i I've, I've, <laughs> not going to get better from here. But it's all downhill from here. <laughs> it's All downhill. Downhill.
0: From here. Super cool. Well, I mean, what's what's so cool also. And I don't think I really understood this as an early 20 something cub employee is just how much knowledge around a space being in it for 25 years gets you right. And that you can hear just how you're talking about it and your feel for the industry and the different types of players in it. Like that's, man, that's just, that's just cool. Like it's so valuable. And so, so unique.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Michael, for inviting me to participate and, uh, Good luck with podcast. I look forward to subscribing and and uh,
0: you know seeing how it goes. Yeah, man. Thanks a so bunch.